Do the Cincinnati Reds need to label one of their pitchers a closer? And does Tommy Pham need to be the one to do it? Find out on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, who is back from vacation. Uh, Jeff and I both have a passion for baseball. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have turned that passion into information for you. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss the role of the closer uh, in the Cincinnati Reds bullpen. Uh, Jeff and I are also going to talk about Tommy Pham's post-game interview with Jim Day after he helped the Reds avoid a sweep uh, by the hated St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, We're also going to get you set as the Reds head out to Phoenix for some hashtag late night Reds, or in my case, as I like to call it, hashtag reasonable hour Reds. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if you were able to keep up with everything that was going on during the course of your weekend getaway, but uh, I got myself into a little bit of a Twitter battle over the weekend talking about David Bell catching blowback on Saturday for the way that he used the bullpen and specifically by bringing in Alexis Diaz in the sixth inning to get the Reds out of a jam versus saving him for the ninth inning and a potential save. And, you know, my take on that was uh, you use your best pitcher when you need him the most. And in my opinion, it was that sixth inning where the Cardinals were threatening to break it open. And I got a lot of pushback on that Jeff uh, there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter a lot of comments from people saying you know you save that one good reliever for the ninth because uh, you know you you're going to need him later and and I just I don't really understand why that thought process is so prevalent because if you save Diaz in that situation just the way that the things were looking on the field I don't think he ever pitches in that game because they're losing in the ninth Right. No, I I looked at that and I my first thought was how on earth is Kunal the guy? And then I lo- realized um because who else are you going to go to? Where else are you going to go, Steve? When you look at this bullpen after Diaz had pitched and after he had thrown the guys earlier in that game, is Kunal the best option? No, but is the best option that much better than Joe Kunal? No, I I don't think that there's that big a gap. Once you get past a couple of dudes, I think that the bullpen has been reimagined across Major League Baseball, and the Reds have joined in this. They they did this a couple of years ago, partially because, well, the front office isn't going out and spending money on some big-time dudes, but also because after they got rid of Rice Iglesias, David Bell wanted it to be a bullpen by committee, and that's a Major League Baseball thing. Unless you're Josh Hader, and maybe Edwin Diaz in New York. There's really not a bona fide closer like there used to be. We're not in the golden age of the closer anymore. And I think that that's going to end pretty soon because we're talking about, you know, I mean, if you can name the closer for every single Major League Baseball team, then I think you're kind of crazy. I mean, I, I can because I just watch baseball all the time. But I think that it is a bullpen by committee because you want to be able to pitch 
your best guys in your toughest situations. And your toughest situation is not always the ninth inning. I agree that in that situation, you wanted the dude who was going to shut the door. You didn't want to hope. I mean, if you flipped it and you put Joe Kunal in in that situation, the only reason that you do that is because you hope he gets out of that. And as we've said before, hope isn't a strategy. You know, it's it's funny, Jeff. I, I was in podcasting overdrive over the weekend <laughs> and I, I sat in on uh, Locked on MLB with our guy Sully over there. And we talked about this Reds bullpen a little bit. And the fact of the matter is this bullpen has been ignored by the front office for two seasons now. We've been talking about fixing this bullpen for two seasons, and it's just unacceptable. Uh, it's In fact, it's just unbelievable that they have continued to ignore it. But one of the things that got bantered around during the course of this weekend conversation is whether or not pitchers need defined roles. And do you need to know that you're the seventh inning guy or the eighth inning guy or the ninth inning guy? No, you need to know that you need to go onto the field and get people out. You want to know about your defined role. You're either a starter or you're a reliever because your preparation is different for those two roles. Otherwise, whether you come in in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, extra innings, it doesn't matter. Your job is to come onto the field and get guys out. That's all you need to know. And if you can't get amped up for that, maybe you don't have any business being in the major leagues. Right. And that's something that Lucas Sims has said before, whenever I've talked to him on the podcast, is that his job is to prepare to be ready in any situation. He didn't say my job is to prepare to be ready for the ninth inning. He said any situation. I think a good reliever knows his job is fluid from day to day. He might be getting out of a jam in the sixth and then he might be getting a save the next day. The ideal situation is that David Bell has multiple guys, and I'm not just talking about two, maybe three, maybe four. I'd love it if he had five, but if he at least had three or four guys that he could go to in any of those situations, then we're cooking. Then we're talking about how you're supposed to run a bullpen in this modern day of baseball, because whenever you were talking about the glow, the golden age of the closer you had your closer and you had your eighth inning and your seventh inning guy why because that was a pecking order that was okay your closer one all right your closer two your closer three that's how that was going i think everybody outside of tony la russa has moved forward in the game of baseball and figured out how to structure a bullpen so that you pitch your best guy when you need your best guy and, you know, you made a great point off air that I think we should revisit a little bit on air, which is this whole closer situation, this whole save statistic is something that was invented in the 70s in order to help relief pitchers make more money in arbitration and get more money in free agency. This, this, th those all things all arrived at the same time. And it's no, it's no, it's no coincidence that they arrived all at the same time. So, you know, our pitchers you know, reluctant to give that up because of that structure? Probably, maybe. But at the end of the day, you you have to win baseball games. And, right. you know, I was no secret at all how I felt about Rysel Iglesias and the fact that, that he whined and complained about right. not being pitching in save situations. And, you know, I just can't, in, in this day of, of baseball, where things continue to evolve, where, where the roles continue to be fluid at best, uh, you can't come in with a mindset of, I'm only going to be the closer. I'm only going to pitch if we have a, a small lead and it's the ninth inning. That's ridiculous. Uh, you know, I'd rather not have you at all on the team. 
And the, this whole conversation came about Jeff, because people, the, the, the fire David Bell talk started up because, you know, they, he used Diaz in the sixth and then didn't have him for the ninth. What is that guy uh, supposed to do? What is he, he doesn't have to? anybody in this bullpen. <laughs> it's, I mean, if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at Phil Castellini and Nick crawl who handed David Bell, this team. There's, there's going to be a much larger discussion about David Bell on tomorrow's podcast, so I don't want to jump too far into it. But yes, the, the biggest question is, what is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do with a bullpen full of unproven guys who are just trying to get their feet wet in the major leagues? What is he supposed to do whenever his main catcher goes down and all of the backups are guys who just are getting their major league sea legs under them, who are then also supposed to coach all of these young player, young pitchers and help them through a game, but also while worrying about them themselves. I, I, I look at all this and he's got a outfielder who's slapping people that we'll talk about in a little bit but I, he's got all of this crap going on what is david bell supposed to do who on earth thinks that this man should be fired now i'm not saying he's the best manager in the world but he does not deserve to be fired 100 we'll talk more about that there but, but kind of bringing the discussion back to the bullpen no pitchers do not need defined roles we pitch the best pitcher when he is ready to pitch and kind of like you said about your hate with Rice Iglesias, I think that if the Reds bullpen was made up of just Jeff Hoffman and Rice Iglesias, I think we'd turn the TV off both of us after the starter comes out. But no, um, I, I I I I don't know what's going on there. I'm just glad that Jeff Hoffman's pitching all right this season because he's a guy that I'm almost looping into the all right. Let's see what he's got whenever the game is on the line. Let's bring him in and see if he can help out. Because there's just not that many guys in this bullpen. Because the bullpen should always be a committee. But it's a committee that means it needs, you know, there needs to be more than two good pitchers on it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and they're far from that right now. Far, far from that. You know, Steve, Tommy Pham homered to give the Reds a win yesterday. And then in the post-game interview with Jim Day, he slapped the pitching staff upside their collective heads. Steve and I will discuss. But first, if you want to slap poor health, get yourself some athletic greens. So what is this stuff? Because it's AG1. And one delicious scoop means you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right every single day. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. I think that's all of the things. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It costs less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Sorry, not sorry. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you're eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, AG1 works for you. And if you're a carnivore like myself, it helps you too. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. 
All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash MLB N-E-T-W-O-R-K to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Thank you for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Starting June 16th, Locked On NBA brings you the ultimate NBA mock draft. Rafael Barlow from Locked On NBA Big Board is joined by every Locked On NBA host and some NBA insiders from the Odyssey Network to deliver picks and analysis. Locked On does mock drafts better than anyone else, and the ultimate mock draft is a perfect example. Check it out. June 16th, the ultimate NBA mock draft. Also, make sure you're following Locked On Reds on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube. We've got a great thing, a little extra thing. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, you've got to go check it out. Steve has a great chat with Doug Gray. They look at the minor leagues and they really hone in on some stuff that just didn't quite make it into the show. This is a little bit of extra stuff that is YouTube only. So make sure you subscribe and turn your notifications on. And you know what? Coming up on tomorrow's podcast, Steve, we are going to talk about the manager we're going to talk about because I mentioned uh, David Bell and we were talking about that a little bit. Your friend Pete Rose had some comments about the uh, MLB managerial position and uh, we both agree with him and we're going to you know, tell everybody why. I can't wait <laughs> to get into this conversation tomorrow because it was um, it was a little bit enlightening what Pete had to say and you know a figure that's been divisive for a long time in Cincinnati uh all of the people on both sides of that divide have been commenting that, you know, Pete was right. I can't wait to talk about it tomorrow. Pete Rose, MLB managerial stuff and fans complaining about it. They all come together into one on tomorrow's podcast. And, you know, speaking of uh, people speaking, Tommy Pham was telling pitchers what to do yesterday after the game was over. He hit the game running home run. Yes, it was nice. And then, he had some things to say about pitchers going after hitters. And there were some people that took that some kind of way because it brings up the question, not really a question, but it brings up the thought candid answers are fun for us fans, but they are not fun for teammates. I imagine that somebody is having to do some damage control behind the scenes after the Tommy Pham interview. And when you just kind of listen to it on the first play through right after the game, you know, when I watched it, it hit me and I was like, mm, what did he just say? <laughs> what, what was that? And then I went back and listened to it again. And when I listened to that second listen and really paid attention to what he was saying, he called out a lot of the young pitchers on this team and basically basically implied that they're afraid and they're not challenging hitters. And uh, that made a lot of people feel a certain way. And, you know, one of those guys is our buddy, Carlos Guevara. I don't know if you saw his reaction on Twitter, but, you know, I'm going to read what he said. Uh, no, he sent out a tweet that said, and I quote, I'd be furious if I was a pitcher on that staff. You don't talk about the other side of the ball like that ever. If you want to talk like that, do it in the clubhouse. I can't believe he went there. I know most of you won't think this is a big deal because it doesn't seem like much. It is. And, you know, this is a former major league pitcher. And I would have to think that if it hit him like that, it hit these other pitchers in the Reds clubhouse like that. 
Yeah, I, I and I appreciate Carlos's point of view because he's been there. He's been in the MLB clubhouse to know how guys are going to take this. And yeah, if I'm a pitcher on the Red Staff, I'm looking at this. I'm like, you're an outfielder. Like, what, what do you got to tell me about pitching? You want to come up here and pitch? You get on the mound. You go ahead. Maybe the next time we're getting drilled by ten runs or we're winning by ten runs, we'll put you on the mound and see how things go. No, I I think that this just shows me that Tommy Fam is that coworker who's pulled so many shenanigans that his coworkers kind of disregard him now. Like we all know that guy that it's just like, Oh my gosh, he's talking again. He's he, it, 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 the thing that he said last time was just so ridiculous. I, I no, no, we're done. But now the only people who listen to his work ideas are the people that are outside his office. Those are the only people that kind of give his thoughts any credence. And I think that that's what we saw because he was ready to talk about the pitching. Jim Day asked him about his home run swing, and he's like, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, pitcher was pitching good, and I I, I put a good swing on it. But then he asked him about the pitching staff, and Tommy's like, sit down. We got a lot to talk about. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I have thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> he had a lot of thoughts. Yeah, I, I thoughts. think I think that this is showing not necessarily because we haven't seen a response from the other side, but if if there's going to be a clubhouse divide, Tommy Fam is the epicenter. Oh, I, I think that's probably true. Now, the the real question that we should be asking here, Jeff, is was he wrong? And you go back and you listen to it and. I don't think he was wrong. I think he's absolutely correct that these young pitchers need to be aggressive. They need to to stop, you know, you know, pitching to the the outer edges of the plate in the hopes that they'll get somebody to chase. They need to trust their stuff. They need to be aggressive and they need to go after guys. Um, I agree with almost all of that, but yeah. I think I also agree with Carlos that that conversation from a teammate. True is better had behind closed doors in the clubhouse. If if Tommy Pham really felt that strongly that these young pitchers aren't going after guys, really, I don't even think it should have been a conversation between Tommy Pham and any of these pitchers. You know, go talk to Derek Johnson. Share your thoughts as a professional major league hitter, and then he can decide what needs to get communicated to the pitchers and whatnot. Uh, you know, I think that uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we've, we've talked about the losing and the dysfunction in this organization if it was ever going to lead to divides in the clubhouse. And this could be the thing. This could be the one that starts that process uh, amongst a, a, a roster that's got to be frustrated with all the losing, that has to be upset with all of the injuries and the non-performance and the being uh, a joke in baseball for a lot of the season thus far uh that's going to all start to boil over and you can't have the new guy in town the dude that's only been here for a little bit and's already been in trouble for sticking up for his old team being disrespected uh, <laughs> you can't have that guy yeah, yeah you can't have that guy be the one that's going to start calling people out that's not his role on this team no, that is not his role at all. And and semantics aside, yes, the the message kind of makes sense. And maybe this is just David Bell not having enough suggestion box meetings like during the week. Maybe that needs to happen more often or something. But no, I think that Tommy Pham actually kind of hit a nerve a little bit. And that's probably where the clubhouse divide will begin. But he said something that I think is 
prevalent throughout the young pitchers that have come up for really the last decade of this team. And that is they start getting into a pressure pack situation. And instead of, you know, kind of really going after it and really pitching hard, they start worrying about failing. And because they worry about failing, they don't succeed because they're nibbling, they're walking guys, they're giving up, you know, they're hitting batters or stuff like that. Cause he talked about something that I think if he would have stopped, like in his post game interview with Jim day, he was talking about the unforced errors, right? The hit batsmen, the errors uh, that the defense is making the uh, walks and things like that. You cut back on that. You're going to win more games. I think if he'd have stopped right there, everybody'd been mm-hmm. like, you know, he's got some good ideas at their Tommy fam, but then he went way too far with it. I think that what he said can really be translated from baseball to life as well. Don't worry about failing, just succeed. Because if you don't stop worrying about failing, you're not going to succeed. I think you're absolutely right. If he had just stopped with the stop hitting batters, stop walking guys, <laughs> you know, play some good defense, don't make errors, uh, let's go win some more games. I think everybody would have been all right, but you're, you are also correct. He pushed it just a little bit too far. And I think the big takeaway, Jeff, is that Tommy Pham may be responsible for the first fracture of the Reds clubhouse this season. 100%. All right, after splitting with the D-backs last week in Cincinnati, the Reds are in the desert, and they're going to try and uh, figure out the final three games of the season series, and they're going to try and figure out uh, if they can get some wins. And we'll figure out if there is a good bet to be had in these games. And if you want a good bet, head to betonline.net right now. The Reds are underdogs tonight, Jeff, as they head into Arizona. Bet Online has them at plus 133 to beat the D-backs. So, uh, you know, bet accordingly if you're willing to throw a little bit of money at this because uh, you can head over to betonline.net. They are your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL conference finals, and the finals, as well as the 2022 Major League Baseball season, of course. And they have all of the latest fighting news from the MMA to the UFC to boxing. Boxing is still a thing. I don't know if you knew that or not, Jeff. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and so much more. Head to the website today and you or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the act. BetOnline.net, the game starts. Make sure you are following us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker. That's with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. Also, subscribe on YouTube. As Jeff mentioned, uh, my little lefty in the bullpen series is starting to take off. Lots of good stuff there and lots more coming. So make sure you head to YouTube and click that subscribe button so you don't miss any of the notifications. All right, Jeff, after splitting a series in Cincinnati with the Diamondbacks, a team that has been a little pesky for the Reds the last couple of years, uh, we head out to Phoenix to uh, play them in the desert. And I'm not sure at this series as a one that the Reds can actually win. I, uh, I go back and forth on how I think this one's going to turn out. And I think that uh, just looking at it, on paper, I'm kind of stuck in that they're going to lose two of the three game mindset. And I hope I'm wrong about that. And, you know, you are our eternal optimist. I said that last week while you were gone and our buddy Kirby came in to try and bring the optimism, but your optimism can never be replaced, Jeff. So tell me why. Tell me why the Reds are going to win this series. 
They're going to score a lot of runs, Steve. I think that they were close against Merrill Kelly. If you really dive into the numbers on Baseball Savant, they had a good average exit velocity against all of his pitches. And yes, he did get 17 swings and misses, but he also allowed quite a few balls in play and things like that as well. Their expected batting average didn't reflect that, but I saw those hard hit numbers on Baseball Savant and thought, you know... Merrill Kelly is just like a league average dude. Like he's not a guy that's going to overpower you. He's got five pitches, but he really features the four seam fastball and the changeup. So I believe that this is something that the Reds can take advantage of. And I think they'll score a lot of runs tonight. I also look at Zach Davies in game two. Zach Davies is a guy that the Reds have seen a lot of, whether he's pitching for the Cubs or whoever he has faced the Reds in parts of seven straight baseball seasons. It's amazing to see, and they faced him once already this year. I think that they are going to get one over on Zach Davies, and Tyler Malley is going to pitch well in game two. Mike Miner, I'm not really sure what to expect from him in this game. I think that today he calms down a little bit. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but I don't think it's going to be like his last start. And I think he's going to pitch fine. And then that third game is kind of a toss-up for me. But I look at the this series, and I think that the Reds take two out of three. I don't know. I Looking at this game today with Mike Miner on the mound, it, it is really hard for me to see a win there. You know, Mike Miner is 0-2 with an 8.64 ERA coming into his third start of the season. And I haven't seen anything between the first and the second start that, that tells me he's on the right track. I haven't seen ERA anything. went down. Oh, boy. I... <laughs> It would have been hard for it to go up much more. Listen, I, <laughs> I I hope that I'm wrong about that, but I really, the more I have watched Mike Miner pitch, the more I want him out of this rotation and into the bullpen. I, I really just, you know, you and I having talked about it now and Kirby and I talked about it at the end of last week, you, you put Miner in the bullpen, you get a lefty in the bullpen, love a lefty in the bullpen, get a lefty in the bullpen that has two solid pitches that can eat some innings. Uh, That's exactly what the Reds need out there right now. And the question is, well, then who do you replace him with before Nick Lodolo's back? I know that that's a problem. I don't, I I don't have an answer to that. We've, we've pretty much exhausted the, the, the backup pitchers that we have at this point, but I just don't see Mike Miner being an effective starter for this team this season. Uh, I really do have my doubts about it. Then we head into that second game, Jeff. Now this one, maybe you could spin me around on because I think that Tyler Malley is better than his numbers have reflected. He's been inconsistent. I think that as we are moving further into the season, we're now in mid June. Uh, there's less pressure, less pressure on Malley to be the leader of this rotation. Now that Luis Castillo is back and pitching effectively I, I think all of those things will combine for Tyler Malley to turn the corner and at least give us road Malley back he may not be consistent home in a way I, I I know that might be asking for a lot but if you if we can get road Malley from last season back that's a, that's a huge advantage for this Reds rotation right now so I'm looking for him to have a big start so I could be persuaded to think that the Reds could win that game and then the third game of this series with Luis Castillo on the mound, I think that he continues to improve each time out. I think we're heading right into the part of the season where Luis Castillo gets good, where he gets hot and that changeup really starts working and fooling hitters and, and he has good command of it. So all of those things being said, I, I do expect them to win the third game of this series with Castillo on the mound. So, you know, could I be persuaded to think two out of three? Maybe. Maybe, but I think it's probably more likely that Tyler Malley gives them an effective start. The bullpen blows it and the Reds lose two of three. I I do agree with you about Mike Miner. And really, that's a thought that I've kind of been 
building in my head as I watch the Reds play this year is that if the starter does not give them at least six innings, maybe even seven innings, then you're asking way too much out of this bullpen. You're asking for there to be at least four guys coming out of this bullpen, and they don't have four guys that I trust. They only got like two well, and, right now. And Diaz, there's I can't see any scenario where Diaz pitches today. He's pitched three games yeah. in a row. He's going to have to be off today. So they don't even have that bullet to shoot today in Arizona. That's right. So, yeah, I could I could see them losing. The, the thing that worries me about the third game is Zach Gallen. Zach Gallen has been a phenomenal pitcher. Now, part of this is I've watched him pitch and he looks really good. The other part is I traded for him in fantasy baseball and I kind of hope he continues to be a really good pitcher, but he has been a really good pitcher this year. So he could probably shut the Reds down, especially at home. So how many runs can they give Castillo? Because Castillo is going to have to be next to, you know, clean on the scoreboard just to get the win. But I do look at Mally and Castillo and think, okay, they're going to give the Reds the innings that they need to not overtax their bullpen. So maybe I agree with you, but I still think two out of three. And instead of the first two games, I think they maybe win the second two games. But still, I'm feeling two out of three. I think they're going to take the season series from the Diamondbacks, go into that off day and come home with some good vibes, having won three of four. Well, here's what we just learned with the rule of car. Jeff Carr picked up Zach Gallon on his fantasy team prior to today. Zach Gallon's four and two with a 2.95 ERA. If Zach Gallon is on your fantasy team, bench him, sell him, trade him, get him out of there because Jeff Carr picked him up and the Reds are clearly going to score 20 runs on Zach Gallon in the third game of this series. Well, and you know, they might because there's a dude that I think is coming back in these next couple of days. Maybe it's today. Maybe it's tomorrow. But Schmax Schrock is coming back. We're going to see some Schrock baseballs in Arizona. I firmly believe it. You know, with uh, with them being out west and the time difference, we have not seen the transactions uh, that will go down prior to today's game with the Diamondbacks. And I know that Max Schrock was not in the Louisville lineup yesterday. It was a scheduled day off. Uh, I would not be surprised to see a transaction announcement a little bit later today with Max Schrock being activated. And part of that also is I'm still unclear on what Aristides Aquino's availability is going to be after he came up limping after sliding into home plate yesterday in the final game of that Cardinal series. So uh, Schrock has been working in the outfield. Uh, the Reds have been preparing him to come back to the major leagues and play outfield. So if, uh, if that move was going to happen, I would not be shocked to see it happen prior to today's game. Yeah, and you could still platoon. I, I think you could still platoon him and Albert Almora, and you won't really miss a beat. And you'll have him coming off the bench, a, a very good left-handed bat. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Schrock. And I'm also looking forward to tweeting Schrock in all caps quite a few times after he returns to the big leagues. It's going to be good to see him coming back because the Reds have a couple of dudes that it's like, when are they back? Are they almost back? We haven't heard a whole lot from them. And Max Schrock's kind of on that list. But you're right, a scheduled off day in AAA means I think that call-up is coming. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the other guys down there, just to quickly run through it, Jeff, uh, you know, the updates from Jonathan India are, while he's still not knocking the cover off the ball, he's playing well, and he's not really feeling it in his hamstring. That's the most important part of this rehab assignment. Donovan Solano continues to go through what really is spring training for him. Uh, he's going to need a little bit more time before he gets his timing down and is, is really ready to come up and face Major League Pitching. And that same story holds true for Jose Barrero, who is not really hitting very well 
as of yet. Uh, he has been transferred off of the rehab assignment and outrighted to Louisville to just continue to develop and have his spring training as well. So I think those guys are probably still a couple weeks away. So Max Schrock is going to be the first infusion of talent off of the injured list to maybe try and help this team score some runs. And remember, too, like for those of you that forget last year, whenever Schrock was in the lineup, the ball just jumps off his bat. He's got great contact, really barrels up the baseball, looking forward to watching him. It defensively, not really going to help out a team that's having a whole lot of problems defensively, but get his bat in the lineup. Let's see what happens. I, I, I look at this series, though, and I, you know, you say one out of three, I say two out of three. I think all bets are off in this clash of the Titans, this Titanic National League team. Cla- I can't say that with a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. That's going to wrap up this edition of Lockdown Reds, though. Coming up next on the next podcast, Pete Rose said some very smart things about the manager of a baseball team, and Steve and I are going to agree with him. Thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Now go make your second listen, Lockdown MLB, as Sully has you covered on the major leagues, both past and present. He's been a baseball fan for a very long time. Go check out Locked On MLB. It's just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. Steve, we got three games in the desert. Two of them are late. One of them's in the afternoon. And you and I aren't sure as to where the Reds are going to get some wins, but we're feeling some kind of way about it, and we'll be talking about it every day. What's that mean for everybody? That means we will be Locked On Reds every single day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.